Welcome to today's edition of the College Experts Talk podcast, the resource for parents and students navigating the college planning process. Felicia Gopal, founder of collegefundingresource.com and creator of the College Decision Navigator System, talks with world-class college planning experts who openly and honestly share the triumphs and challenges families face every day in helping their children get into and pay for the colleges of their choice. We want you to feel like you're sitting down with our experts and getting their best ideas without paying their considerable consulting fees. So sit back and relax as Felicia interviews others about the issues and concerns of selecting colleges, competing for a coveted place in a class, and ultimately paying for the colleges that admit your kids. I want to thank everyone for joining us today and welcome you to today's podcast with returning guest Kai Dupuy, who was on my Career 100 podcast previously talking about his career and the field of software engineer. But today he's here to talk about the importance of STEM education. During this introduction of this topic, I will be quoting liberally from Prepare and Inspire K-12 Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math Education for America's Leaders that was prepared by PCAS for the president. Throughout the 20th century, the U.S. education system drove much of our nation's economic growth and prosperity. Since the beginning of the 20th century, average per capita income in the United States has grown more than sevenfold, and science and technology account for more than half of its growth. In the 21st century, the country's need to be world-leading STEM workforce and scientifically, mathematically, and technology literate populace has become even greater and will continue to grow as other nations continue to make rapid advances in science and technology. Despite our historical record of achievement, the United States now lags behind other nations in STEM education at the elementary and secondary levels. International comparisons of our students' performance in science and mathematics consistently place the United States in the middle of the pack or lower. On the National Assessment of Educational Progress, less than one-third of U.S. Eighth graders show proficiency in math and science. Moreover, there's a large interest and achievement gap among some groups in STEM, particularly African Americans, Hispanics, Native American, and women who are seriously underrepresented in many STEM fields. This limits their participation in many well-paid, high-growth professions and deprives the nation of the full benefit of their talents and perspectives. Today's guest is Kai Dupuy. He is a doctoral student at Pepperdine University where he's conducting research on the underrepresentation of African American males in computing. He's an evangelist for the use of technology in communities of color and an advocate for African American men reaching their potential. In 2008, Mr. Dupuy founded the popular Where Are Blacks in Technology blog which we will link to in our show notes. He is the host of the Kai Dupuy Show, serves on the advisory board chair of Bitwise, an organization of African-American software engineers that was started by Microsoft, and he's a contributing writer for the Atlanta Post where he writes articles on the digital divide. Kai, it is my pleasure to welcome you to today's call. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. All right. 
So let's start with what is the STEM fields? STEM is an acronym for science, technology, engineering, and math. And so in science, it includes the physical science, it includes computer sciences, things like biology and physics. It also includes information science and library science, chemistry, all the sciences we grew up learning during my time, you know, I'm 48 years old. Engineering, of course, everyone knows what the engineering aspect of it is, and then mathematics. And so I forget what year it was, someone came up with this acronym for STEM as a way to group them all together when we're talking about particular professions and particular disciplines. And so that's exactly what it is. All the fields that include science, technology, engineering, and math, and makes a separation from fields that are like the humanities, for example. Okay. So one of my previous guests on the Core 100 podcast series, Jesse Johnson, talked about the importance of the U.S. investing in STEM education. Why do you think that it's important that the U.S. continue to invest in STEM education? Well, it's critical, and it's critical for several reasons, from several fronts. From a global competition standpoint, we must be able to compete in the STEM fields. If we're not, we'll find ourselves being on the other end of that transaction. And what I mean by that is you mentioned at the outset that we're in the middle and we're lagging behind other countries when it comes to STEM education. Well, this is the way the world is going forward. It's going forward with those leaders in science, technology, engineering, and math because that is where their economy, the economy of those countries, or the engine of the economy of those countries are going to grow. And if we don't have the workforce and we don't have the expertise and the even the educators who bring forth good STEM education, that's going to place us at a competitive disadvantage from a national standpoint. And then when you look at communities that you mentioned at the outset as well, Latino communities, Native American communities, African American communities, those folks in those communities who aren't embracing STEM and who aren't pursuing careers in these professions are going to find themselves in a lot of ways excluded and locked out from these higher-paying jobs and the opportunities that these skills bring you. Because let's not forget, it's not just about jobs. You know, we have several examples of folks who have dropped out of college and started companies and become billionaires. And those folks are working with skills that will be considered STEM skills. Okay, so it's about not only the economics of it, but it's also about what it brings to the communities that are not invested as reasons for why the U.S. needs to continue to invest in STEM. It's also about literacy. You know, I may have mentioned this previously, but in my time frame when I was growing up, when folks talked about literacy, for the most part, they talked about reading, writing, and arithmetic. I would submit at this point technology or digital knowledge, or the kind of knowledge that exists in this information society, in this digital society, has become a new literacy. And so those folks who are not able to decode the symbols in society that are based on technology are going to find themselves behind and locked out. For example, folks who are still walking around saying they don't have an email address or they don't know what an avatar is or they don't know how to use a smartphone or they don't know how to use an operating system. These kinds of things have now become so pervasive and so integrated into our society that it is a knowledge you must have just to function in society. And so if you don't embrace this technology, which includes all areas of STEM for the most part, then it's going to be very difficult for you to be productive and for you to reach your goals in this country and worldwide, for that matter. 
Well, I think that that's a key point because one of the things that you see again and again is different communities who embrace technology and different communities who do not embrace technology. And I think you make an important point when you say that in communities that choose not to embrace and advocate for their students to want to pursue careers that embrace technology are really putting themselves at a disadvantage as well as really putting themselves in a position where they're not going to be able to take advantage of the opportunities. And I think oftentimes, you know, technology brings opportunity. There's no question about it. And this is happening all over the country at different levels. I mean, I speak at quite a bit of high schools around the country. And normally when I go into an urban high school or an urban elementary or any sort of urban situation, there is a lack of technology. Not only is there a lack of technology, there's almost a negative associated with it, whether that be from the teachers and or the students. And so in these inner city schools, even sometimes when they're given the money that will provide them with technology, their mindset is not where it needs to be to embrace the technology. And so this is creating a larger chasm. So folks who are already ahead of these communities, technology amplifies the gap. And so if we don't get the mindset, we don't get the conditioning of these people changed in terms of why they should be involved with technology, why this is important, what it can be used for, how it can transform their lives, why these practices need to be something that they invest time, energy, and resources in, they are absolutely going to be placed at a disadvantage. And when it's time to come out and look for a job or make your way in the world in terms of how much your life to turn out, you're going to be sitting there wondering why you're such a disadvantage. I've gone into school systems and pulled out devices such as a Kindle or an iPad to give a demonstration or talk about it. And I've had several times where the students ask me, well, what is that? What, what is that? They didn't know what a Kindle was. They didn't know what an iPad was. These are devices that commercials are on television for, and they still had never heard of them. I spoke with teachers who tell me they've seen greater examples of technology when they were in college five years prior than they've ever seen in their school district. And so this is a big problem, and something has to be done in terms of changing the mindset and changing the involvement with everyone around trying to solve this problem. Well, let me ask you one of my follow-up questions, which is, why don't you share some of your ideas about how we can increase interest in STEM? I think about my daughter, who is 11, and she has Mm -hmm. always said that she's wanted to be a scientist, which I'm Mm -hmm. happy to have her go into. And Mm -hmm. I know that in the schools, the curriculum that she was being exposed to, I was just like, it didn't seem like it was going to prepare her for what the rigors that I knew that she was going to have to go through in order to be a successful scientist. And I would imagine that schools are one of the places that we perhaps need to invest in. Do you have any other ideas for places or how we can increase interest for the various different communities? Well, my big thing is exposure and mindset. And by mindset, I mean the negative conditioning. When it comes to those who are underrepresented in STEM, which is particularly certain minority groups, African-American minorities, Native Americans, and also women, it is a known deal that these groups are being, whether it be on purpose or accidentally, they're given a negative perception as it relates to technology. Or the way in which they're taught to use technologies are different. And so my number one thing with these groups, try to encourage them 
to become more involved in technology is get them away from the negative mindset, get them more into a mindset of confidence and self-esteem around their ability to learn math, science, technology, and engineering. That's something that I had early on. And when you go into the school system and do some of the research, you see that some of the teachers' expectations around these groups is very low. And with women in particular, you know, you get the kind of conversations from educators, whether it be on purpose or not. Oh, you know, science is not a good field for a woman, or women shouldn't be engineers, or women shouldn't be technologists. You know, there's documentation out there that says that women and African Americans have been discouraged by their college professors from pursuing careers in science. Dr. Mae Jamison, no less, mentioned that that occurred with her in her education. While she was pursuing her degrees, she was discouraged. When I was an undergrad taking my computer science courses, it happened to me as well. One of my professors called me aside and said he didn't think I had what it took to be a computer scientist. Of course, he was wrong, and but that's a huge part of it. And so I would say my number one thing is to start that exposure, start that positive reinforcement, start that encouragement with our young people encourage them to pursue these fields early. The earlier they gain a confidence and the earlier they gain self-esteem around doing these kinds of things, the better off they are. There's also the sentiment in school and the sentiment in this country that math is you know, not for everyone, right? If you're good at math, you're sort of blessed or, or you have some kind of gift, you know, you're some sort of wizard. When the fact of the matter is, all you have to do is apply yourself and you can learn math. Our cultural norm around mathematics in this country is you know, it's difficult. It's not for everyone. And so if a child comes home struggling with math, we'll just say, oh, well, I wasn't good at that either. You know, I don't understand that stuff either. And that's the wrong way to go about it. You know, the reason that some of our young folks do so well in athletics and entertainment is because those facilitators and the frameworks and the structures that encourage them, that nurture them and support them in those endeavors are there. I think we need to do the same kinds of things around STEM and we'll see similar results. Well, I think about my daughter's first year at a new school. So it's first grade. She's going to a new school. She's got a teacher, and, you know, she loved math. So she was going ahead. You know, in my house, if you got a kid who's going ahead in the workbook and is doing the math, then I'm going to encourage that. And so I remember her teacher pulled me into her class and said, you know what? She told her she can't go ahead in the book first. So my daughter comes home, and I said, okay, well, you did that, so let's move ahead in the book. And she goes, no, my teacher said no. And I said, your teacher said no. And she said, yeah, my teacher said no. So we had parent-teacher night. The teacher said, well, she's doing very well, and yada, yada, yada. And I was just like, okay. So I waited, and she didn't bring it up. And so I said, I would like to know why you told my daughter she couldn't go ahead in the book. And she said, well, because I go over the book in the class, and if she's ahead, then she's just sitting there when everybody else is doing the work. And I said, "Uh uh-huh. And I'm still trying to understand what the problem is. And she's just like, well, it messes up my classroom. And I was just like, look, I don't know who you're used to dealing with, but let me tell you how it works in my house. We do not discourage my child from education in any form. So... I go, if you don't want her to go ahead in the book, that's fine. Give me another book that she can go ahead with, but I'm not going to have her stop pursuing her education and her interest, especially in math, 
just so that it's more convenient for your schedule. And I think that that was like the first time that teacher had ever heard that. And I think that oftentimes when you talk about the mindset, there are parents out there who would have said, okay, and, you know, told their daughter, no, don't go ahead in the book, as opposed to challenging the mindset that was trying to keep my daughter in a little box for her own convenience. I mean, it was a page or two ahead. It wasn't like she was going to the end of the book, you know. And so I think that that's something that I would like to see changed in the education system. Oh, absolutely. And that's a prime example of the kind of thing I was speaking to because they're going at a certain pace. If you're ahead of the class, you have problems. If you're behind the class, you're going to have problems. In that case, your daughter was ahead of the class. And, you know, someone that is resonating with mathematics, you certainly don't want to discourage because anyone that's doing well in mathematics, the whole world opens up to them in terms of what they can do from there because almost all the STEM sciences, all the STEM fields are based on mathematics. You can't get any better as far as a career choice in this day and age with our needs as a country. I mean, a person with a degree in mathematics, particularly an advanced degree in mathematics, will be able to write their own ticket for sure. So let me ask you about your blog, Where Are Blacks in Technology? What made you create that? Was it out of this whole conversation about STEM education? It was, but at the time I started the blog, I didn't really know what STEM was. It came out of my frustration, and it also came as I started my dissertation thinking about topics to write about for my dissertation. And I started reflecting on the fact that as a software engineer of 25 years, I couldn't name 10 other black software engineers that I had come in contact with over my career. And when I started having conversations with my friends about this and my family members, they said, oh, well, you know, that doesn't mean anything just because you haven't met them. You know, you've only worked in certain careers or you've only worked in certain situations, which is not true. You know, I've worked as a full-time employee. I've worked as a consultant. I've worked all over this country. I've worked outside of this country. I've worked in small companies. I've worked in Fortune 100 companies. And everywhere in incarnation that I did this, I never, ever ran into other black people. And so I started thinking about that. Where are black folks who are in technology? What, where am I missing them? Are we not pursuing technology? Are we not getting a degree? Do we not want these jobs? Because they're very lucrative, high-paying jobs, very professional jobs. You know, you get a lot of options, a lot of freedom. And I got so sick of being the only one on my job. And it was constantly the case. And so I started writing this blog, I believe 2007, 2008, and it got a lot of responses. Particularly now, I get a lot of responses from young people who are thinking about going into computer science or engineering or being a software developer, and they always write me, oh, I'm so glad I found your blog. You were right on point, and so many points in here that speak to what I'm going through. I get a couple emails a week from folks saying, please write more, please write more. Can you cover this topic? What do you think about that? What do you think about this? Because I'm not writing it as frequently as I was before because I'm much more busier than what I was then. But I try to get a couple pieces up each week. That's what led to its origination was my frustration with, and you get this feeling of isolation. And it wasn't just in the workplace. If I went to the bookstore to buy books in my field, there was never anybody black there. If I went to a conference, it was rarely would I run into any black folks there. If I went with other members of the team from the organization I was working for at the time, no one that went was ever black. So it just got to be a point of frustration as my career choice never being able to have much in common with folks that I was working with. Now, I did well. I did fine. You know, my college career was pretty much the same situation. And so I was very comfortable doing that, but I didn't like it. And so I started the blog to sort of begin to write about things from the standpoint of what I think was needed to help more of us 
get involved in technology. And then from there, I got the idea to make that my dissertation topic. Okay. So what advice would you give someone who was interested in working in the STEM fields? Give us a little preview of what you're putting in your dissertation. Well, my dissertation is more specifically about technology or software developers, uh, African-American males. You definitely don't see them, right? Like even though you might see black folks in technology, when you talk about the subset of technologists that are software developers, which is where all of the innovation comes from for the most part in the economy, you really don't see any black people. And if you break it down to black males, it's even worse. So my advice would be, if you wanted to get into this field, as I mentioned, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. But the one thing that I would stress with folks is to not be afraid to learn. The number one thing I hear from black people when I approach them about technology, whether it be young people, whether it be folks who are in a different career who want to move into technology or STEM, whether it be folks in college, I hear a lot of fear. And I was mentioning this earlier, there's this perception or there's this belief in our country that science and mathematics and technology, that these are like high knowledge fields. And so there's a perception of a person having to be some sort of genius to go into these fields. And it's portrayed that way, you know, with the whole image of the geek and everyone looking towards Mark Zuckerberg or Facebook as if he's some sort of genius because he built a website, which he's not. These kinds of things is where I would plant my message, which would be, do not be afraid of this stuff, you know, go after it, learn, be diligent, and study. You know, when I was in college, I took several classes that I considered to be difficult courses. I took a lot of calculus, I took a lot of math beyond calculus, stuff I don't even use in my career. But I had built a self-esteem and a confidence about my abilities in mathematics and science in high school and middle school that I didn't fear it. My number one thing would be, Get over the fear and become very comfortable with these disciplines, meaning sciences, STEM, technology. Don't run from a technology when it comes out. Don't run from mathematics when you have an opportunity to take a class. Don't run from using something such as Twitter or LinkedIn. We're not on LinkedIn for the most part at all in terms of the African American community. So in order to get into these fields, my number one thing would be build your confidence in the field. If you're talking about young people, Take courses, whether you are majoring in computer science or not, major, minor, and take some courses that relate to the STEM field, particularly computing. You have to have a knowledge of computing to go forward in this country, no matter what your career choice is. Well, I can definitely see that because my first career was as an accountant. Then you're working with all the Microsoft products. You know, when I transferred over into becoming a financial planner, then there's all the software about how to run calculations that basically give me an idea of how somebody's financiers are currently working and whether or not they will continue to work into retirement. And now as a college planner who specializes in helping families afford college, you know, there's a lot of software that I use in my calculations to tell parents whether or not they're on track for being able to afford their kids' college education. So I can see that technology is something that should not be feared. My eight-year-old, you know, if you were to ask her what she's good at, she would definitely say that she's good at math. They did an exercise earlier this year in her classroom where everybody in the class had to say something about each of the kids in their class. And so out of, you know, 20-something kids, about 19 of them said, you're good with math you know, which really wow. just validated for her that she's good with math. 
And I just think that that was a great message for her to be getting at eight. And as we're looking at summer programs, I was saying to her, you know, maybe we'll take a math class. And she's like, well, why should I take a math class? Because I'm already good at math. And I was just like, well, you're good at what you're currently able to do, but let's expose you to some new stuff. She thought about it for a second. She goes, okay, Um, because she has the confidence in her ability to master the math at her level and be successful in it. And I think that that's one of the things that, for me, will be interesting to watch as she starts to take harder and harder classes and get closer and closer to graduation and making career choices, picking colleges, and then picking careers that she wants to go into. I could definitely see her already starting to look at, you know, maybe I'll become a mathematics person. I mean, she's still at that age where she wants to be a singer or a dancer or, you know, whatever, but she's also, I'll be a singer or a dancer who's good with math. And that's kind of one of the things that she says about herself. Oh, absolutely. And again, when I was in high school and junior high school, I remember when it started for me. It started in like the seventh grade, and that's when I was introduced into what they called at the time pre-algebra, which I loved. I loved pre-algebra and word problems and solving for X and those kinds of things. And my confidence built. When I got to high school, I didn't fear math at all, and I just kept going to the next level of math. Well, I had friends in my neighborhood. They didn't know whether they could do the math or not. They were just deathly afraid of it. They wanted no part of it. They were so sure that they were going to fail at something. And I think it's so interesting that they're so convinced they're going to fail at a particular math, let's say geometry, before they've ever even given it a try. And that's why I say the mindset has to change. If anything, if you're going to go into, when I start looking at this problem from my research, you look at, there was a special on CNN back last November where they were talking about the dearth of African-American tech startups in Silicon Valley. Well, of course, because... You don't have African-Americans getting degrees that you need in this area to go into the field. They're not coming out of high school prepared for that. And you keep going back and you see there's no one coming through the educational pipeline that would develop into someone who would start a tech startup. So that's the real issue. And then you get into why aren't we uh, pursuing these disciplines in high school and college and junior high school. And that's where you get into the attitudes and the messaging and the conditioning. And that's where I think it has to change. And so the first thing I would say regarding getting someone interested in these fields is giving them confidence early. I have a six-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son. They're both absolutely proficient using iPad, iPod, iPhone, Kindle Fire. You know, they already understand conceptually what they're doing. Right. And I completely understand that because, as I said, we're in the process of picking summer programs for the kids. And my husband and I were looking at one particular class, which meant that the girls were having to take a Saturday class. And so my husband was like, Saturday? Oh, a Saturday class. And I'm thinking, you know, aerospace engineer, why why are you talking like this? But anyways, uh, he said Saturday class. And I was just like, first and foremost, I want you to understand, we're asking them to give up four Saturdays for two hours, eight hours out of their life to take this Saturday class that includes the math. I was just like, I don't think we're asking too much of them if you think about it like that. And I said, and not to mention, when you look at who else will be in the class with them, there will be nobody else who looks like them in their class. So I think we're putting them on a good page by having them take this course over the summer. And so, you know, with that, the whole conversation shifted and he was on my side. But he was thinking more about the inconvenience of a Saturday class. And I was just like, we spend every Saturday going to soccer games. 
I think, you know, academics is more important than soccer. So I was just like, you cannot convince me that this is not a good investment. And whether or not you support me, they're going to do it because we're at that age where we can tell them what they're going to do for their summer as opposed to having their little say-so in the matter. And let me add this as it relates to minorities and women. The image of computing, the images that we see when we see folks who are held up as examples of tech stars or exemplars in the technology space, we have got to change that. Or if we don't change it, we need other folks to step into that space with a different image. Because when you're talking about little African-American boys and little African-American girls and Latinos, and I can't speak as much Native Americans, but what we look for culturally what we think is appealing to us, what we resonate with, is not the imagery that is out there right now being associated with an engineer or a computer scientist. And I, for one, absolutely do not resonate with the Urkel image and the uh, imagery of Mark Zuckerberg. You know, he's walking around with the hoodie and flip-flops and he don't believe in dressing and, you know, his hygiene is in question, all these kinds of things that portrayed in the movie. I don't resonate with that either. And my point in saying that is your daughter could be a mathematical genius but she could look and dress like Tyra Banks, right? right? She doesn't have to have this image that's portrayed in the media to be a math whiz. She can be a math whiz and still dress nice. She can be a math whiz and still love certain movies and certain music and be sociable and know how to carry herself as well as be articulate. She doesn't have to be some kind of hermit, some kind of reserved person just because she masters math. And I think that is a huge part, particularly when it comes to African-American males. They're looking for a certain thing. Certain things resonate with them. And you can be those things and still give them the message that math is cool. And that's why I think a lot of it falls down. Yes, I agree. So is there anything else that you want to share with somebody who is considering going into the STEM fields? Well, let's see. There's a lot I could share. Number one, (laughs) I would say there is no set path. You can find your way. Number two, in this day and age, There are no barriers. There are no obstacles. All the political barriers are down. Money barriers are down. Right now, this country is so in need of tech talent, of STEM talent. There is a program on every corner to provide you with the income, provide you with the money that you need to go to college for a STEM career. So that's not an excuse. Thirdly, I would say if you have interest in a STEM field and you don't know where to start, there are many websites out there that you can go to for information, you can go to my website, wearblacksintechnology.com. You can go to blackweb2.0, which Angela Benton started, which is a website dedicated to black folks. You can go to my LinkedIn page, where I always put articles and commentary about things going on in STEM. There's also whitehouse.gov. President Obama has several programs around changing the teaching profession, around awarding schools for doing a great job in STEM, around changing the kind of changes that are taking place for computer science education in high school. There's so much information out there that is provided. And the last thing I'll say in terms of giving advice for folks that want to get into STEM, again, as I mentioned before, don't be afraid, right? Understand that you can solve any problem and you can do anything. Go forward with that confidence and pursue whatever it is you want to pursue. And I'm not here to try to sound like someone who thinks everyone should go into a STEM field. I don't want to come off that way. But if you find yourself having passion, and I find it hard to believe anyone that's introduced to some of these fields, if you don't find yourself having passion with it, but if you find yourself having passion, don't let your fear stop you from doing what you want to do.
and reaching your goals and achieving your dreams. I would also want to add to that and say that if you have a passion, but you don't have somebody that you can go out and model yourself on, I mean, reach out to today's guest, Kai Dupuy. He would be a good resource for giving you somebody to talk to who looks perhaps like you and will talk passionately about the whole STEM field, as well as what I've been doing for this podcast series, as well as my other podcast series, is I've just searched the internet sometimes for a guest who fits the needs of my podcast series. There is a lot of information out there and a lot of people out there who are more than happy to share their love, passion for various different careers, including the STEM fields, who would be more than happy to take a few minutes out of their time to share some information with you. Sometimes it might just be a resource that you can get introduced to, but oftentimes one of the things that Kai talked about in our other interview is he talked about how important it was to network and be out there and meeting people. And I would really just kind of piggyback on that and say that that's really one of the keys to getting jobs, getting opportunities, is to meet people and to talk to them. You know, and if you are reticent to do that, then it's going to be a tough road for you. But if you can get over, as Kai said, the fear that keeps you from approaching people. I think a friend of mine who met, you know, a multimillionaire because there was an article about him. He reached out to him, said, I love this article about him. The man ended up mentoring him for the next 10 years until he passed away. Those are the wow. opportunities that are open and available to you if you reach out and talk to people. And, you know, there's a quote out there that you miss 100% of the opportunities you don't take. And, you know, I really just invite you and encourage you to go out and find people who can inspire you. Some of them will look like you, some of them won't, and that's okay. But the opportunities that will avail yourself by getting out of the small box that you're in and opening yourself up to the world will open up such huge opportunities that you will not believe. Yes, ma'am. And the last thing I'd like to say is that right now, this country has a shortage of tech talent. There are more jobs available than there are folks to fill those jobs. And that's a controversy right now because they're filling the jobs outside of the country because they have to fill the job. So take that for what it's worth. All these opportunities are out here. And at the same time that black males and, and African-Americans in general have a super high unemployment rate, we must pursue these careers. We must pursue these fields. A new day and time, 21st century, STEM is the key to innovation, to the economy, and to the workforce. And so... If we're going to be involved, if we're going to be involved, we have to leverage these skills, apply these skills in a way that we can feed our families, nurture our children, help our communities go forward, which in turn helps our nation go forward. Great. So, Kai, I'd like to finish up with, would you like to share some information on ways that people can contact you if they've been inspired, as I have, by this podcast? How could they get a hold of you? I'm everywhere. Of course, if you Google me, I'll pop up, but you can also find me on Twitter at K-A-I-D-U-P-E. That's my handle on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook, and my handle on Facebook is just my name as one string, K-A-I-D-U-P-E. You can hit my blog at wearablackstechnology.com, or you can always send me a good old-fashioned email, and that's at K-A-I-D-U-P-E at K-A-I-D-U-P-E.com. So lots of ways to get a hold of Kai. 
So I want to encourage my listeners to keep coming back to listen to more of our College Expert Talk series. We strive to have quality guests like Kai who have valuable information to share and important considerations to keep in mind when you're considering your career goals. Kai, I'd like to thank you for joining me today and sharing why you believe the U.S. needs to continue to invest in the education of students considering STEM fields, as well as sharing your story and knowledge of the field. You are very welcome. I loved it. Great. And I want to thank my listeners for joining us today and hope that you will join me again for the next installment of the College Expert Talk podcast. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the College Experts Talk podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast where we will continue to legally share college insider information with parents and students from the insiders themselves. For more information and to instantly download your free copy of the College Funding Resources Report titled Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Mike Elmore for the College Experts Talk Podcast.